Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Whenever God's speaking to you, make sure you give Him your attention. Don't assume that He'll come back later on your schedule. You know, like if, if, you, if, you, if you feel like God's speaking to you about something or, or you just, you know, wherever you're at, stop and give Him your full attention. Don't just assume that, you know, well, God knows my schedule and he'll come back later when I'm not busy because later when you're not busy, he may not be speaking about what he was speaking about in that moment. I've learned that in my life. Like when the water's flowing, don't turn the faucet off and don't, don't walk away with the bucket. Like leave the bucket, receive what God has for you. And then you can go back because I promise you there's nothing more important in your life than what, the, what God is speaking to you. There is nothing that deserves your attention more than his voice. There's nothing that will, that will bring fruit in your life like His voice. I promise you. Um, and so I, I, I need to write this note down real quickly. So welcome. How are you guys doing this morning? You good? Yeah? You're doing awesome. You really are. You're alive. Um, you're in love with the one who's in love with you. Isn't it good to know that like the one that you've set your affection on has set his affection on you and will never take it away? Like we search our whole lives for that sometimes, trying to find the one thing that we can be sure of and confident in. Everybody, who has a friend that you know, no matter what, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you know, you could call them four in the morning freaking out and they're going to be there and they would do whatever they could to help you. Does everybody have a friend like that? Um, You do have a friend like that. If you didn't raise your hand, I need to introduce you to him. The one who wants to be that friend, right? No, listen, and in all seriousness, uh, it's awesome to have people like that, but it's really amazing to know that you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, and that He actually is a friend who's closer than any brother, any friend that you've ever had. He's always there. He said He'd never leave you, never forsake you, even to the end of the age. I remember, um, I'll get to the message in one second, but uh, we were in Chicago for an event that Jesus Culture put on. Um, some years back, Reinhard Bonnke was there, Bill Johnson was there speaking, all these amazing speakers were there, but the most profound thing that happened to me was during worship. I remember um, Brian and Katie Torwalt were leading worship, and I don't even remember what song they were th- singing, I think it was like Glorious or something like that, and it was, I'd never heard of them before, and I was like, wow, these, they're really good, you know, that was I think the first time anyone had really heard them, and then all of a sudden I just felt like I needed to get my journal out, so I got my journal out, I got on my knees. And I started writing what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And when I got done, I read it, and this is what it said. It said, I'm the one, Roy. You know how when you taste food and it's good, you want everyone to try it and know how good it is? You know how when you're excited about something, you always want to look around and make sure the people are excited about it with you? I'm the one. I'm always excited with you. I always think it tastes good. For the rest of your life, you never have to wonder when you're running if somebody's running with you, because I'll run with you everywhere Dad calls us to. And I've read that and thought, I've been looking for that my whole life in people. It's awesome to have in people, but to have the God of the universe let you know that he's the one you've been searching for and to find him in that way and to know that he knows you and he cares about you intimately. He'll never leave you. And it's not like this thing where he has to. He chose you. He actually wanted you. It wasn't like he wanted the person next to you and you were a package deal that came along for free and so he tolerates you. He actually wanted you. He actually went to a cross and gave his life and shed his blood for you. For a relationship with you. Not for a relationship with the perfect you. 
And it wasn't like after he shed his blood, then when you did the things that you did, he went, wow, if I'd have known he was going to do that, if I'd have known she was going to do that, I never would have gave my life because they obviously aren't. There's none of that. In fact, the very things that you would think that about are the very things he went to the cross for and because. So that you could be free from those. That's why he wants you free from sin. It's so that you can actually be free and live the life you were created to live from the beginning. It's not this thing where it's like, okay, so one day you go to heaven. Awesome. Heaven is amazing. It is eternal life with him. We should never, ever lose sight of the fact that he paid for our eternal uh, salvation and that we're going to spend eternity with him. But you can actually enjoy the freedom that he came here on earth. I guess why when Paul was writing to the church at Galatians, and he says to them, uh, he says, or I'm sorry, uh, to, to Romans, I think, he says, or maybe it's Galatians. He says, why would you then, after being free, present yourselves once again as slaves to the bondage of sin? And I don't think he was being, like, snarky. I used to read that and think Paul was, like, asking him this, like, pointed question because he was pointing out something wrong. But the more I understand about the freedom there is in Christ, the more I understand he actually can't understand after tasting freedom, why anyone would ever once again voluntarily subject themselves. And so he's asking them sincerely, why would you do that? After tasting freedom, why on earth would you ever? I mean, he's, he's genuinely just, he has to ask because he in his mind can't think of any reason that anybody would ever go and subject themselves voluntarily to the slavery and the bondage that comes with sin because he says it was for freedom that you were set free it was to live this free life that you were set free the whole reason for being set free was to live free and be free it's not like well he set you free so that he set you free so you could be free so you could live free freedom is addicting it's not about what you can't do. It's about who he's called you to be and the life you get to live. And I say it at every single wedding that I do, and it's so true. Inside of one yes, there are 3.5 billion no's. Because when that woman or that man is walking down the aisle and you come to that altar to make covenant with them, you are about to say yes and say I do and pledge your life to that one person. And in that one pledge of I do, that one yes to that person, it's a no to 3.5 billion other people. But the last thing you're thinking about when you're standing there is all the people that you're saying no to because all you can think and all you can see is the one you get to say yes to. That's Jesus. That's the freedom of the Gospel. It's like this one yes is a million no's, but I'm not sitting around going, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, because I get, I get, I get, I get, I get. Because that's the nature of the Father. He, he so loved you that He gave. Yeah. It makes me want to clap too. That's the Gospel. That's what we carry. That's why you need to open your mouth and let people know about the truth that's inside of you. Because there's a world around you that's living in the bondage of slavery to sin that doesn't even know there's a better way to live. A lot of people live by faith in sin because they've been taught they have to sin. So they sin by faith because they believe that's all they're capable of. They put more, more power in the devil's ability to deceive them than in the son's ability to, to, to save them and keep them free. We've given way more credit to the enemy than he deserves. Far too little credit to the one who lives inside of us that's greater than anything that's in the world. 
He said that he, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can stand. You know what that means? It means there's nothing that comes in your life that you're forced to respond to in a way less than Jesus. Nothing. That you actually have to choose it every single time. God is faithful who will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which you can stand, but with every temptation will provide a means of escape that you may withstand. What's he saying? Every time the enemy comes, I come stronger and I provide a way. Every single time. Listen, people say, well, you know, God won't put on you what you can't handle and all that stuff. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying that there's nothing that you face that is greater than the ability and the power of God that's within you. For the rest of your life, you can yield to Him in every situation. The Bible says if you sin. You realize that? It doesn't say when you sin. Did you sin you're perfect? Why would you ever ask that question? I'm telling you what the Bible says. It says, if you sin. John, in his letter to the church, he's an old man now, and he wants so badly for the church to get this truth. that He he says, that which we have seen, that which we've heard, that which we've touched. He's saying, guys, this is real. It's not some pie in the sky. It's not some theory that's been cooked up. He's saying, this is real. We've touched it. We've seen it, and we've heard it with our eyes and our ears and our skin. This Jesus, this word that was from the beginning, and he says that he's writing this letter to the church, and he's talking to them about sin, and he says, my little children, I write this to you so that you may not sin, and if you sin, we have one who stands before the Father, Jesus. If, why? Because he's not going to tell you that you have to. He's not putting a sentence on you that you have to. Does that mean you're going to live perfect the rest of your life? No, but does that mean that you, uh, maybe you will. But does it mean that you ever are in a situation where you have to? No, every single time you've sinned. And that's the most freeing thing ever because there's never a time where you can say, I didn't have a choice. That's why the Bible says we will all stand before him without excuse. Well, I wouldn't have if they. That doesn't matter. That's why you've been set free from yourself so you can be set free from them so that you never find yourself in a position where you say, I had to because they. Ever. The only thing you have to do because they is love because they're alive. That's it. Because what? We owe no man anything except to love him. That's it. That's the only thing that you're forced and called to is to love. I promise you, this gospel challenges me every day when I wake up, but it encourages me every day when I wake up too. And, and, and so... I'm so far in the weeds right now from where I wanted to get. (laughs) Listen, you need someone in here, many people in here, you need to hear this. Don't put an if where the Bible puts when and don't put a when where the Bible puts an if. You know, the Bible says when you fast and if you sin. Why we made one so mandatory and one so optional. And they're completely reversed from the way the Bible says it. Jesus assumed that people would fast. That's why he said, and when you fast, and he gave instructions on what to do. You know, he said, anoint your head with oil and get dressed right. What was he saying? Don't walk around with a shirt on that says, I'm fasting. Don't walk around looking miserable so people say, what's wrong? You can say, no, I'm fasting. (laughs) That's not what it's about. Because if you're fasting, you're saying, I'm giving up something for what I'm getting. And if what you're getting doesn't put a smile on your face, then what you gave up is better than what you're getting. Listen to me. I I need to hear that again. I need to hear that again. 
If I look miserable when I give up food and I'm giving it up for the sake of opening myself up to more of Him and I look miserable, then what I'm getting is less valuable to me than what I've given up. And if, if I really am fasting and emptying myself of that dying to flesh to say, I want more of you, God. I want to hear you more. I want to know you more. I want to, I'll, I'll deny myself. It's teaching your body that your flesh is not in control. That's what fasting is. It's saying that you have a master and it's not flesh. That my flesh is actually in subjugation to me. So when my flesh, my body, my stomach, when everything in me screams, you need to eat, you're going to die. It's a lie. You're not going to die. Most of us can go a long time without dying, without a meal. Some of us longer than others. But we could all miss a few and be okay. It's teaching yourself that that thing inside of you that wants something isn't God. That He's God. And that He's worth it. So now we've covered sin, fasting, what's next? Where are we going next, Lord? I love when I get up here because it's like I have this message, but I have him too, and I just want to go where he wants us to go, right? Listen, okay, so, so I'm just going to finish up with this, and then we'll get to the rest of last week's message because I really do want to talk about that. But if you believe, hey, we, we have a um, room. I don't know if you know, we have a room right here for mothers yep, and babies. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you can take them right in there, and I think you'll be able to hear in there too. And there's comfortable chairs, and you can rock them and nurse them and do whatever you have to do in there. Um, But listen, be very careful that you're not putting more faith in the enemy's ability to lead you into disobedience than the Spirit of God's ability to lead you into obedience. You're living by faith in something. Right now, every one of you are living by faith. Living by faith is not an employment status. Some people think, you know, oh, I'm just going to live by faith. That means quit my job and don't have a job. I'm by... No, listen, that's not, that's, not, that's not living by faith any more than the person who gets up every day and goes to work and works and receives a paycheck. Everybody's putting their faith in something. Right now, you've put your faith in the chair you're sitting in, and you never even looked to see if it was put together right. You don't know if it has loose screws underneath it. You could damage your spine sitting on a chair that's not right. I mean, seriously, like, but you put your faith in that chair blindly. Every day we put our faith in things. Just be careful that the thing we put our faith in is the one who's faithful. The one who's trustworthy. The one whose name is faithful and true. If I'm going to trust anything and I'm with my faith in anything, it's going to be him because that's his name. Faithful and true. It's written on him. All right. God, I just thank you for that word. I ask that you seal that in our hearts, God. And we would live our lives so aware of you and the goodness that you have for us, God, and the leading of your voice that we would never find ourselves giving ourselves an excuse to live less than the life that Christ died for us to live. God, that we would have no reason to stand before you and say, I would have, but even if that's us, God, help us to die to ourselves so that we can actually take up our cross and follow you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so last week we started talking about, um, we've been talking for a while about hearing the voice of God. And last week we talked about, so I think I've heard the voice of God. Now this could be something you feel like God spoke to you. Uh, you've, you've got revelation as you're reading in the Word, or, or someone comes to you and says, hey, I think I have a word for you, or whatever the case is, right? And so you, have this, you now have this word from God, 
you're considering. We talked about what are some filters, some practical things that I can do that I can, I can have a better understanding of. Is this the voice of God? Is this God really speaking? So uh, I'm just going to cover the, the first three that we talked about last week before we get to the last two. Um, and these are, these are kind of the filters I have put in my life. Uh, one is, does it line up with Scripture? That doesn't mean can I open the Bible and show you the exact word in the Scripture because I promise you I can't open the Bible and show you where God wrote in the book of John for me to marry the woman I married. But I can see where he said it's not good for man to be alone. I can see where he said that a person who finds a good wife finds a valuable treasure. I, found, I can find all these things. So it lines up with Scripture. It lines up with the character and nature of the Father that I can find in the Word. Um, the second thing is, is, am I listening with an unselfish ear? Because if I'm listening selfishly, I can twist things. Or I can seek out things, you know, people that will tell me things I really want to hear. How many of you guys have those friends that even if you were completely wrong, they would agree with you? You've got them. They're on Facebook. You, I promise you, put something ungodly on Facebook and I, you will get likes and affirmation from people. And it does not mean that it's what God wants or what God said or anything like that. Anything you put on Facebook, somebody will agree with. To be careful, you're not making, basing life decisions on likes. But am I listening unselfishly? In other words, have I denied myself? Because Jesus said I couldn't even take up my cross. Now let's follow him if I haven't denied myself. So is this about me wanting what I want? Or am I listening with an unselfish ear that's yielded and submitted to him? That's why Jesus said, be careful how you hear over and over again. And then the third thing um, was, so make sure it lines up with, with, with what we know in Scripture and what's revealed in Scripture. Um, is this an unselfish thing that I'm listening unselfishly? And the third thing is, is, do I have a peace, even if I don't understand completely? Because with the voice of God comes the peace of God. Think about it. There's a storm. Jesus stands up, and what does He do? He speaks peace to the storm. With His voice comes the peace. He didn't stand up and go, Why? Because he actually spoke to release it. When he was creating, he spoke, and with his voice came the power and the ability for what he said to happen. And so when, the, when you hear the voice of God, even if you don't understand it completely, it'll carry a peace that'll settle into your heart. It's a peace that passes understanding that the Word tells us we can have. Which means I give up my right to completely understand in exchange for the peace that comes from knowing I'm trusting the One who does. So if I don't have peace... If I can't find, if, if it doesn't line up with the character and nature of God as I can find in the Scripture, if it opposes the Word of God, listen, there's a very easy filter right there, right? Someone comes to you and says to do something the Word of God says not to do, it's pretty cut and dry. Like, that's not God. But if it passes, if it doesn't pass those three, then I don't act on it. But if it, if it makes it through the first two filters and I don't have a peace, sometimes it's, it's, there's just a lack of peace because I haven't settled on something yet or because there's something in me that God wants to work out. Don't immediately dismiss it because you don't have peace in the moment. Because it could be that God's opposing something that I've believed that was wrong or an attitude that I have that I don't even understand that I have and He's wanting to actually show me and change something in me. And the lack of peace is me wrestling with Him. It's like Moses. He comes to Moses and he says, I'm going to send you to speak to Pharaoh. Moses doesn't have peace right away. He says, I don't even know how to speak. What's he trying to do? He's trying to bring Moses to a place of trusting him and saying, listen, if I'm calling you to do something, Moses, you have to understand and you're going to have to for the rest of your life, you're going to have to understand that if I call you to something, the ability to do what I called you to comes with that. 
He's wanted to teach Moses that if Moses goes by the lack of peace in the moment, he goes, well, that doesn't bring peace. It doesn't line up with my gifting. Be careful you're not listening through the lens of your gifting. Well, that's not my gift. If God called you to it, trust that the gift that you need will be attached with it. I promise you. Don't let that be a filter that stops you from being obedient to a word of God. So Moses says, how can I go? I can't even speak. God says, okay, I'll send Aaron with you. But then Moses becomes the person that speaks to the people. What, remember, he goes to the mountain. They say, even Aaron stays behind. Moses, you go speak to God and come and speak to us. Turns out that Moses actually could speak on God's behalf. It just took a little while of him getting to know God before he was comfortable to stand in that role. So, I remember one time, and I just want to give a, a quick example, that there's been times in my life where what was offered to me or, or offered to us um, seemed right. And if I was listening with a selfish ear, it probably would have been very easy to just say yes to it. I remember one time, uh, a couple summers ago, I got called uh, by a large organization. They said, hey, we, we would really love to have you come and, and speak to our teen uh, pastors and, and young adult pastors. Um, at a conference that we do for the entire region. It's, and, and, you know, we'll fly you in. All you have to do is speak these three days, and we'll fly you home. We'll play for your, your, your airlines and obviously your hotel, and, and we'll, we'll compensate you. And here's what we compensate whoever comes to speak. And I was, I'm reading the email. I'm going, whoa, you know? And so, um, so I thought, wow, that sounds really good. Uh, let me pray about it. That was kind of a formality that you should say. You don't want to just say yes back to people because you want them to think you're holy and that you pray about things, you know? <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. I really did want to pray about it. But, so I just wrote back to him and said, you know, would it be okay if I pray about this? And, and they wrote back, sure. Well, I prayed about it, and the more I prayed about it, the more I just could not get a yes. And so finally, I realized it's a No. And I talked to Patty about it, and she was kind of like, oh, I mean, what do you think? And, um, and so I, I wrote them back, and I said, you know, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm supposed to come and speak to your group. And I, I hate that, and I wish that I could, and I'd love to come sometime, but I just don't, I don't have a piece about it, and I feel like God's saying that I'm not supposed to. Maybe he has something else for me to do, and someone better fitted to come and speak to you guys where you're at right now. And the guy was like, well, he basically was, didn't seem like he believed, you know, he didn't, he didn't agree. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I hung up the phone and I was thinking, man, maybe I blew that, you know. And uh, I think it was the next day I got a phone call and it was a guy who I'd spoke to that puts on a big youth conference at the beach every year. And I'd spoke with, to their group before, but this year, usually when he asked me, it was in the beginning of the year. Now it was like a month from it happening, and he had asked, so I just assumed, of course, that we weren't going to speak, because they brought in other speakers sometimes. And he called and said, hey, man, I know it's last minute. Is there any chance that you could come and speak to our, our youth group this year? And um, we want to have your whole family down. We just love your family. And we, want, we, we got this great, huge room right on the ocean at this hotel for you guys. And we had already decided we couldn't take a trip to the beach with our family that year just because of money because of our budget and I said well when is it and it was on the exact days that I had been invited by the other group now had I just went by what seemed right to me had I ignored the lack of peace had I not consulted someone that I really trust 
and just said yes, I would have been in a position where I would have had to say no to something that was a blessing to my family because my family wasn't going to come with me to Canton, Ohio. I promise. Like, and they weren't trying to go on vacation to lovely downtown Ohio. <laughs> if there's anyone from Ohio here or listening, I'm not trying to offend you. It's just not where we wanted to go on vacation. But, but my point is, is that sometimes it takes the obedience of saying no to something that seems good and following the peace or the lack thereof that you have before you understand why. And I didn't have an understanding. It's not like God came to me and said, Roy, if you'll say no to this, I have something better for you. That makes it easy, but that also makes it not require any faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that must mean that with faith, it's possible to what? You can live a life that's pleasing to God. You actually can. Um... So, but if I settle those three things and I feel like, okay, it makes it through the test of Scripture and and I know that I'm not just trying to selfishly hear this, this isn't something that's tickling my ear, just something that I want and, um, and and I have a peace, those are kind of the internals, right? Those are the things that don't require anybody else but you. You can decide those and go through those things yourself. But, but these last two, um, kind of require other people. And the first one is, is what do the people that I'm submitted to as spiritual leaders in my life think? Um, This is usually the message that you bring someone else in to speak when you're a pastor, because it's about a spiritual authority. Um, But if you have your Bibles, open them up real quickly to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17. And I'm going to teach something this morning I've never heard... um, anything even close. And I'm sure there's other people out there that God showed it to and they've just never heard it before. But it brings such a a clarity to this verse to me um, that I'm just, I'm really excited about it. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Um... And so a lot of times when, when we hear this subject brought up, you know, of submitting to authority, people think back to the times that we used to manipulate or control people or, or people who have been controlled or manipulated or, or in any situation, never mind church, you know, in relationships or anything like that. It, it kind of shy back and, and, and want nothing to do with it. But I promise if you just hear me out this morning, I think you'll see and you'll have an appreciation for this and you'll see the beauty in it. Um, um, the first thing is, is that I, I honestly do believe that it's a good idea for every single person to have spiritual authority in their life that they're submitted to. I can say that confidently because it's what the Word of God says. But I also believe this, that God has a place in mind for you to be submitted to that leadership. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. That means he actually has a desire for where you are in the body of Christ. And people would say, well, yeah, he's talking about the general body. Maybe he means the general body also, but Paul's writing this letter to an actual church, and he's talking to them about individual members of the church. And in the context of talking to the church at Corinth, he tells them, as he's talking about giftings and people that God made this and God made that and giftings he gave to people, he says to them, in the same sentence, in the same context, he says, for God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Meaning that God actually has a desire for where you're placed in the body. 
And if the body of Christ, the general body of Christ, is made up of many smaller bodies of Christ, then that means that within the smaller bodies of Christ, God has a place for you and He puts you somewhere that He actually desires for you to be. That's why it's so important that you actually seek God and ask Him, God, where would you have me be? Where would you place me? I promise you He sees individual bodies because when Jesus gives John the letter of Revelation, He writes letters to seven individual churches. And He addresses each one of them as an individual body. It's not as if God, when He looks down, can only see the general body. If that was the case, it would have said to the body of Christ worldwide. But He said to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, Sardis, Laodicea, all these other cities. What was He saying? I will have a different word to speak to each individual body because I see them differently. Even though they all make up the body of Christ. And it wasn't the same word for each body. Meaning what? He individually sees bodies of believers. So when He's says that He's placed you as He desires in the body. If you have never sought Him and asked Him, you may not be in the body that He desires for you to be in. If half the church is gone next week, I'll regret that. (laughs) No, really though. Think about it. Why do you need to be able to know and hear the voice of God? Well, for one, because He has a place that He desires you to be. And in Greenville, you can open a phone book and look up church and you can find 1,200 places that you could be. How do you know you're in the one He wants you to be in? You ask Him. You seek Him. You trust that His Spirit within you will lead you into where He wants you because there is a place that He desires for you to be. Then, and only then, when you can honestly say, I feel like this is where God has me. I feel like God told me and brought me and brought me and my family to this place. Then when you submit to the leadership of that place, it's an easy thing to do because you're not submitting so much to a man as you are to God because you believe that that's the authority that God wanted you to be under. There's a safety in that. There's a peace in that. Listen, and, and here's the thing that I, I've, I don't think I've, I've ever heard anyone talk about, but that word obey there turns so many people off because we take it to mean obey as in like, you know, a child obeys a parent. The, the parent says something and the child does it. And you don't question and you don't ask why. You just do it. That's not what that word means there in the original language. It's not at all. That word in the original language is actually means uh, three different things. The first is um, to persuade. Um, like using an argument, and it could be true or false, to persuade somebody of something. That's one way that it's used. Um, another context that it's used um, is um, to have trust or have confidence in. There's only one place that it's actually used the way that we would think of the word obey, and that's in Romans chapter 2, verse 8, where it says those who have selfish ambition have made themselves to obey unrighteousness rather than obeying the truth. The only thing that we're ever called to obey without question is the truth in the way that we think of the word obey. So really what he's saying there, and every time that that word is used in the New Testament, in the context of, uh, it's used 55 or 58 times in the New Testament, it's used in the context of relationship and it either means persuade or it means have confidence or put trust in. 
I think we can say that he's not saying persuade your leaders and submit to them because that wouldn't really make any sense. I think we can confidently say that this is what he's saying. Have confidence in and trust your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. What is he saying? He's not saying blindly follow the, the orders of a person. You should never have a leader that blindly orders you around anyways. You should have leaders that actually serve you the way Jesus served the people He came to lead. What did He say? If any of you wants to be great, He must become servant of all. And He grabs Himself with a towel and He bends down and He washes the feet. What was He saying? I'm here to serve you. The way that I'm going to lead you is, yes, I'll speak to you as the Father speaks to me, but you have to trust that I'm here to lay my life down to see you become everything that He intended for you to be. If you don't have leadership like that, if you ever don't feel that way from me or any of the leaders in this church, you need to come to us and talk to us and say, listen, I feel like I'm serving you and your vision and, and, and I'm doing all these things that you want, but you have no interest in me and who God's called me to be. You have no interest in that. I, f- I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm here to lay my life down, but I don't see you laying your life down for me. And I'd really want you to say that to me because I'd want to know if I'm not leading the way Jesus has called me to lead. But also you have to understand this, that sometimes the people he puts in leadership over you see things that you don't see in your own life. Because he says this, he says, for they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now let me ask you this, when has God ever asked somebody to give an account for something that he hasn't empowered them to steward well? Think about the parable, are you guys awake this morning, yeah? Is that okay? Is this subject all right? Is this kind of, yeah? Okay. I'm just making sure, you know, like, <laughs> I thought it was good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> well, I can say that because it's not mine. If I'm up here speaking my stuff, then that's really prideful and boastful. But if I got it from him, then I can brag about his word that he's given me. So, but think about this with the parable of the minus, with the parable of the talents, with, with parents who are said they'll have to give account for their children, raising them up in the fear and the, the love of the Lord. In the parable of the talents, he entrusts each servant with a number of talents. And then he comes to them and it says, and he asks them to give account for what they had done. And when one of them didn't do what he should have done and steward well what he was given, he didn't say it's okay because you weren't capable of doing it. He said to them, you wicked servant. What was he saying? You had the ability to steward what I gave you well. But you didn't, and because you didn't, uh, something is required of you. God would never ask me to give account for those that I watch over unless He'd empowered me to steward their, their souls well. And so if that's the case, then, then maybe this verse isn't in there just to make the Bible a little bit longer, but maybe there's a blessing for us if we actually submit ourselves to the leadership that God has called us to. And that's why it's so important that we actually pray and ask God, God, where would you have me submit myself to? What family, what, part, what body do you have for me to submit myself to? And then be obedient and do what he says. Because when you do that, then when you go, you can actually submit to the leadership there because you know that you're actually submitting to God himself because he's the one that called you there. And you can trust that he's empowered the person who's leading you, the people who are leading you, to actually lead you because he's going to require something from them. If you come to my house and I say, I want you to watch my children. And then I tell you, I would like for my children to go to bed at 9 o'clock. I would like for my children to have a shower before they go to bed. And I want them to get their clothes ready for in the morning. 
And then I say to my kids, guys, you don't have to listen to a word he says. When I come home, if they haven't showered, they're not in bed, and they didn't get their clothes ready for in the morning, I can't hold you responsible because I didn't give you anything, any authorization to actually steward my children while I was gone. But if I go to them and I say, now listen, guys, I want you to listen to, obey, submit to Dylan while he's here, while we're gone. When I come home, if they don't listen, they get in trouble for not listening because they were told to listen. But you get in trouble for not actually doing what you were called to do with what he gave you to steward. And I can actually require something of Dylan and I could say to him, Dylan, why didn't they go to bed? Dylan, why didn't they take a shower? Dylan, why aren't their clothes out for in the morning? And then Dylan can say to me, well, I actually told them to, but I couldn't force them to. In which case, it's no longer Dylan's responsibility because Dylan did exactly what I asked of him and on my behalf spoke to the children and told them what they were supposed to do. It's now the children's responsibility and they're the ones who will give account for why they didn't listen to the authority that was placed over them. It's the same way in the body of Christ. It's that not that like if you don't do what God asks you to do, that God's going to blame me for it. He's going to blame me if I didn't communicate to you His heart the way He asked me to. Or to speak into your life the things that He's asked me to speak into it. Then I'm accountable for that. That's no longer your responsibility. But if I'm doing what He's called me to do, then it'll be your responsibility with what you did with what He spoke into your life. So find where God wants you. Listen, ask Him. Everybody in Greenville can't come here. Everybody in Greenville can't go there. But everybody in Greenville, everybody within the sound of my voice, can find a place where God has for them to submit and submit themselves to that place and actually subject themselves to the leadership that's there. Listen, it should feel safe and it should feel like something that's a trusting thing. If it ever feels like a manipulation, control, or abuse, something is terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. And I know that's happened. I know there's been times where people have been abused and people have used spiritual authority to abuse them. It's happened. But just because men have got it wrong doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan to do it right. I promise you. The second thing, so, so bring it to the leadership, right? And now listen, this is where we talked about before. Let's be real careful when we're talking about what God says that we actually use the language of I feel like God's saying or when we go and talk to them, just ask them, just say, listen, this is what I feel like God's saying. This is what I think God is saying. And the reason we do that is this, because if you come to me as a leader or you come to someone else as a leader and you say, this is what God said, I have only two responses that I can give you. I can either say you don't hear from God or I can agree with you. There's no room for conversation. There's no room for discussion. If you come to me and say, well, God told me to do this, what can I say? At that point, I either have to say, no, he didn't, or, okay, yes, he did. But I don't have a lot of room for discussion. If you come to me and say, you know, I've been praying about this, and this is what I'm feeling. I feel like God's saying this, or I feel like God showed me this. If you do that, then that opens up room for discussion and say, okay, maybe, but have you thought about this? Or maybe God's actually saying this, or have you thought about this, or what about in the Scripture where it says, keep an open dialogue when you talk to people that are in leadership over you. Don't just come to them and drop the God said card on them. Well, God told me to do this. There's not, it's a conversation ender. 
It doesn't really make it easy for us to have a dialogue because I have no response really in that. And you're not even inviting any kind of review. You're not inviting any kind of feedback because you're just coming to someone and saying, well, I'm doing this because God said. But if you come to me just like Paul said, man, you know, this is what I discern. This is what I feel like. I think that God showed me this. I think God's moving me in this direction. Now all of a sudden we can talk this through. We can dialogue about this. And I'm not forced to be in an uncomfortable situation where I feel like it's not God, but I don't want to tell you that God didn't say that to you because I don't want to say that, right? Like, who wants to look at somebody and be like, no, God didn't say that? (laughs) It's hard. I promise you it's hard. Like, to look at someone, I've had to do it before, but it was unbiblical. And I could be like, well, here's the reason why. But if it's not something that's unbiblical, it's hard to look at somebody and say, God didn't tell you to do that. And so you just say, okay, I'll pray for you. That's all you can do. The the second thing, what do the people around me, my community of friends that are going after the Lord, think about this? This is why it's so important to have biblical community with people that are going after the Lord together, that are filled with the Spirit, and actually hear the voice of God and love you enough that they will call you out on stuff and love you enough that they see who God created you to be and will call the gold out in you. You have to have this in your life. If you don't have that, if you don't have a biblical community of friends, close friends, that are going after the Lord together, find it. It won't come accidentally. Find people and invest time, invest effort, invest energy, invest your life into having relationships with them because it's such a safeguard for you. There's so many verses that I could give you, right? From Proverbs, over and over again, he talks about the wisdom and counsel. Proverbs chapter 12 uh, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 13.10, through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Uh, Proverbs 27.9 says, um, oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. And the last one is uh, Proverbs 15 uh, in 31-33. It says, he who ear, whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. It is so important that you have a group of people around you. They know you. They know where you came from. They know where you're going. They can see things sometimes that you have a blind spot to. There's people in my life that know me, that know my tendencies, that know who I have been and know who I am now, and that can watch out for things in my life, and that I can go to them and I can submit things to them and I can say, hey, I feel, you know, this is what I feel like God's saying. You need people like that in your life. You need people that love you enough to speak the truth to you, that aren't just going to cheerlead every idea that you bring to them and act like it's the most amazing thing ever, that are going to love you enough to say, you know, I I just don't know that that's right. I don't know that that's true. I'm just not sure about that. I don't know that God's calling you to quit everything and go to clown school. I think you're looking for a way to use that unicycling juggling talent that you have, and you had a good time at the circus last night, but maybe you should think this through. No, seriously, sometimes people come to you with ideas and they're just so excited and they think it's what God's telling them to do. And you just know that something happened recently. They got really excited about that. And so the first thing that popped into their head had to be God. Listen, every thought you have is not your own. Every thought that you have is not God. Some are, some aren't. And having a community of people that you can talk things through, 
brings so much clarity as you have conversation with people. I find most of the wisdom and the clarity that I get comes in conversations with friends. Just as you start talking things through and dialoguing, asking questions, talking about things, you know, I've thought about this and I've thought about that, and they'll start asking questions. They have a total different way of thinking and seeing about things. They have different life experiences. They have the wisdom of God, the Spirit of God inside of them. They see things from a different angle. And then pretty soon you're having this conversation and suddenly there's this clarity that comes because there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. I do want to caution you on this. The larger the gravity of the decision, the smaller the circle usually becomes. Like, it's one thing to put on Facebook, what kind of car should I buy? Get a bunch of opinions from all kinds of people. But I can say that the, the, the larger the gravity of the decision, the more serious the decision that you're making, the smaller that circle should become. Why? Because not every voice that speaks into your life is going to be a voice of truth. There's going to be times where well-meaning Christian people will speak things into your life with a good heart that are coming from a place of hurt or bad experience or just bad theology. And you have to make sure that you don't just open yourself up to receive from just anybody. This is another thing. Ask the Lord, God, who have you placed in my life that I can listen to? Who have you placed in my life that are my counsels that I should go to that you say there's wisdom in? When Patty and I were trying to make the decision about the church, our circle went from this big of people that would speak into things in our lives. Because we have a lot of people that are great friends that really love us, that have our best in mind and that hear from God that we really trust with a lot of things that we talk to about almost everything. But when it came to such a a huge decision that we were making that affected so many people, not just us, that circle got really, really, really small. Because we didn't want a bunch of opinions clouding out our ability to hear the voice of God. We still sought wisdom in a multitude of counsel. It's just the size of that counsel got smaller with the gravity of the decision. I think we'd be wise in our lives. Like Jesus had the three. He takes up onto the mountain. He had the 13 that He spent most of His time with and poured into. He had the 170 that He sent out. He had the, uh, the 72 He sent out, the 100 that He sent out. Then He had the crowd around Him. And then He had the multitudes. And each one of these people He entrusted Himself to a little less as it went out. In fact, to some point it says that the Pharisees were questioning him. It says and he didn't entrust himself to them fully because he knew what was in the heart of man. What was he saying? He didn't just entrust himself fully to every person that came up to him to talk to him. That he actually decided who he would entrust himself to and he entrusted himself on different levels to different people. When you're facing a decision, when you feel like you've heard the voice of God on something, if it's biblical, if you're listening unselfishly, And if you have a peace, even if you don't understand everything, I would say the first thing to do, take it to the people that you're submitted to as spiritual leaders and say to them, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying to me. And ask them to pray about it and then speak into it. It will keep you from so many things that you make snap judgments or snap decisions about. For one, it forces you to not make an instant decision on something and to actually take some time where you can actually think things through and see things you might not have seen in the moment. How many of you guys have ever made an instant decision and regretted it really quickly thereafter? (coughs) How many times would that decision not have been made had you gone through these steps and then taken the time to seek out spiritual advisors, spiritual leaders in your life and submitted it to them? A lot of times just because the window of opportunity is closed. 
Listen, God is never going to call you to have to make a rush decision about something that's huge without the ability to actually do the things He calls you to do. If He says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, that means if you need wisdom, you have time to seek a multitude of counsel. If you feel rushed and you feel like you have to make a decision, it's probably not the Lord. Because He's patient. He's long-suffering. I'm going to close with this. Listen, find the spiritual authority that God would have you to submit your life to, and, or yourself to, and submit to them. Ask the Lord. Like, seriously ask the Lord. And it doesn't even mean that, like, if you come to Outreach Church, the only spiritual authority in your life is me or the elders that are here or the leaders that are here. There could be other people that speak into your lives. I have different people that speak into my life in different areas that I've submitted myself to. And then I said, I will not make a decision without talking this through with them first. Not because I have to, but because I choose to, and there's safety in that. I can actually know that if, if, if I have peace and it lines up with the Bible and, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm not listening selfishly and then I take this to them and, and the first person I always go to is Patty, right? So I talk to her about everything. If you're married, the first person to submit things to is your spouse. Because God is not speaking separately to you. I promise you, He can't because the two are no longer two but have become one flesh. That means that God can't speak a separate word to me and to my wife. It's impossible. Because to Him, we're one flesh. So if I haven't heard, that doesn't mean that God's speaking something differently to me. It means either I haven't been listening or I'm hearing wrong. If we can't agree on something, not if I have a yes and she has a I don't know. That's different. I had someone call me up that recently. They said, hey, listen, I know you said that if you and Patty don't agree on something, that you don't move forward until you find agreement. Well, you know, I feel like my wife has heard this, but I haven't heard anything. And I, and I really want to hear before I move forward with this, right? Because is that what you said? And I said, no, listen, here's an awesome opportunity to say to your wife, I trust that you hear the voice of God. I haven't heard him on this. I haven't heard him say no. I haven't heard him say yes. But if you feel like you've heard him on this, I trust your ability to hear his voice. I trust you. And we'll go ahead and do what you say that you've heard God say because I haven't heard Him say no, but I haven't heard Him say yes. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your voice. And I'm going to trust that you hear Him speak. The second thing then would be have a group of people that you can actually talk to and process things through with. Find a group of people that are going after the Lord that you know hear His voice that love you and care about you so that when you're facing a decision like this, you can go to them and you can say, listen, I feel like I heard God speak and I feel like this is what He said. And they can say to you, yeah, that sounds right to us. Or we'll pray about that and we'll let you know. When we were trying to decide about the church, there was a few people that we talked to about it. And every one of us, them gave us the same advice first. Make sure you seek the Lord and don't move until you've heard Him speak. That's the best advice that anyone can ever give you. And then they spoke into it and said, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? They gave us their, the wisdom that they carry. They gave us their advice, but ultimately left us in a place where they said, seek the Lord, and when you hear Him speak, you'll know, and then trust Him. Find some friends around you that you can talk things through. Listen, if you don't have that, if you don't, like if you don't have biblical community, it won't just come accidentally. It's not like floating around in the air and it lands on you. It's probably something you're going to have to seek out, be intentional about, and pour your time and your energy, and no one can do it for you. 
The church can't do it for you. The church cannot build biblical community for you. The church, this, this outreach church can present you with an opportunity to meet people and build relationships and find biblical community, but it cannot gain that for you. If you want that, you're going to have to actually spend your time and your energy pouring yourself into it so that you are not just someone who takes, but you're also someone who gives. Because if he's calling you into a relationship with people, it's not just so you can receive from them. It's because you have something inside of you that you can deposit as well. And there should be a give and take in every relationship. Find it. So I'm going to just challenge our church with this. I'm going to challenge us during this week to ask ourselves, who am I submitted to in this life? Like, if the Bible tells me to submit to spiritual leadership, then obviously there's a reason for it. Am I submitted to any leadership in my life? Is there anybody in my life that I trust more than I trust myself? Is there anybody in my life that I feel like God's told me to submit to that I've actually yielded and submitted my life to? And I'm, 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 I'm obeying in it, as in I'm putting confidence and trust in them. Or is that verse irrelevant to me? And then ask myself this, do I have a group of friends that I could say are going after the Lord that I can talk things through, that I have true community with, that I know and I trust, that know me, not just know some idea of me, not a fake relationship where I've presented myself as one thing, but I'm really another, but real relationships with people where I'm open and honest and vulnerable with them, and I know them and they know me. We have intimacy between us. Into me, they see We have intimacy. Do I have that? And if the answer to either of those is no, ask God where you can find it and ask Him to show you who He's called to be that in your life. Because I promise you, if He said that there's wisdom in it, and if He's told us to do it, then that means He has a plan for us to have it. So God, I just thank You for that. Father, I ask today that we would find joy in being able to hear Your voice, God, but we would also find joy in knowing that we have people around us that love us, God. That we can submit ourselves to the leadership that you've placed over us. God, that we can trust and have confidence in them. Not because we trust man, but because we trust you, God. Because we've heard your voice and we know that we are where you've called us to be. And because of that, we place our trust in you. And God, we just pray for true friendships, God. We pray for true community with people that we can seek wisdom from, that we can seek counsel from, God, that love us enough to tell us the truth. God, that love us enough to to see the best in us always, but also to see when we're living below where Jesus has called us to live and died for us to live, that would never let us settle for a life less than you've called us to. But that would speak truth into our lives in a way that would challenge us and encourage us, God. That would always spur us on. That even if it was something that didn't feel good in the moment, God, we know that they love us enough. That we trust that it's for our good. We thank You for that, Father. I thank You for every single person finding that. Finding where You've called them to be, God. That You've placed them in the body as You desire and believing that they really are where You've called them to be. And God, trusting themselves to people and opening up, God, being honest with people, being real and vulnerable with people, having people we can share everything that that we feel like You've told us, God, that we can submit things to and receive counsel from that have our best in mind. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.